Hey there. Hello. Oh, what we got going? Well, it depends on what corner of the world you find yourself in. What sort of uh, reality you are jacked into, basically. And I don't know, I mean, probably a relatable experience to our listeners of essentially being in completely different worlds from people that you regularly interact with in 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 the world of like oh do you see about this no man i was i don't know like <laughs> i wasn't there was so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> not on my internet i don't know man big picture stuff and i mean big picture is in like the stupid media is like on about it lately of release time is the debt ceiling stuff oh yeah they're doing that again it feels like I'm in college again, man. Like <laughs> We're just playing all the hits. Last time that shit was going on was Obama was mm-hmm. yelling at Boehner. I remember that. I remember. <laughs> and now apparently they're doing this again. <sighs> I saw a really good meme uh, and it was like, you know, when Palpatine's all like, I'm too weak. And he's like <laughs> faking them out. Mm-hmm. And then he like force lightens them. Yeah. Uh, so like there were two panels of him being like I'm too weak and it was uh, unlimited power is the other one yeah 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 so uh the first panel was like Democrats when they're uh <laughs> in in power you know and Democrats when they don't um, let them kill me <laughs> yeah, yeah Democrats when they're not in power and then Democrats when they're trying to shut down uh a party f- or a member uh, from the left yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then it's like black in a primary when mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have a challenge from the left unlimited power <laughs> <laughs> for oh. sure oh, they yeah. are you know and and we've speculated about not speculated about this. we've called this out um but how many times has this quasi been open speculated about really in our culture modern media and stuff like that of like it almost seems you know, and, and that's as close as they can get. Is it almost seems like the Democratic Party is really mainly trying to keep down things from the left and not really trying to win anything else besides, right? It's a, they're professional losers, I believe, as, as the Trillbillies once said. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they're, they're the uh, what is it? The Washington Generals? The, <laughs> yeah, they are. They truly are. <laughs> they just go uh, out there and take L's for us. I did see another story, though, in Minnesota, which I actually just visited, and I had a good time. And also, there was a cool communist bookstore there. So if you're in Minneapolis, check it out. It's called Mayday Books. Very delightful old men talking politics, just in a cool, literal underground store. So really recommend fantastic selection. I got two books from there that I was like, oh, shit, hell yeah. Yes, I did some shopping, (laughs) some gift shopping. Uh, for both of us (laughs) and but anyway um yeah uh minneapolis actually just passed or minnesota their senate passed uh, a bill that raises wages and gives drivers more protections uh if they're using you know if they're drivers for uber and lyft Mm. i saw this on twitter and like the the image of it um is is the senator uh what is his name omar fateh um I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it. I'm sorry, y'all. And he's like being like literally lifted up by people like, you know, on, on their shoulders and stuff. 
Like Spider-Man um, when he goes down in that one scene? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Style? Okay. Uh, yeah, like they're like... He's a hero. Know, <laughs> and they're like lifting him up. It's a whole for he's a jolly good fellow situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like celebratory rather than he just died. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. And I mean, I will say as someone who just went there, like the vast majority of Uber drivers are uh, immigrants. Uh, mm-hmm. Minneapolis has a huge uh, immigrant population. Uh, so it's it's a it's a big crowd of people uh, around the senator. So there are some wins happening, small ones, but you know I'm I'm down. Uh, it's a lot of uh, Somali people, I believe. Yeah, 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 they have a lot large Somali population there uh, in Minneapolis proper, maybe, and then that region, Twin Cities region. No, that's cool. Uh, the only really thing I was going to say about the debt ceiling was like, that's, that's another stupid thing that like we communists promised to eliminate, you know, like we're not going to make you relearn what that is every like eight years. Do communism. (laughs) You'll never have to have the eggheads come out and say, so here's what the debt ceiling technically means, you know, and all that (laughs) stuff. Like you won't have to have it. Yeah. I got us off track immediately. (laughs) No, on the theme of small wins though. I mean, like it's more interesting than the stupid bourgeois debt ceiling. (laughs) that's cool what they're doing and what what they did what they accomplished in minnesota and and whatever small fights and there had to be you know however many grassroots fights and and everything that that gathering signatures and knocking doors and, and and the boring shit that goes into that i'm looking at a quote right now from the the senator and he's he says like this is only possible because these drivers showed up every day they went to committees like they they pushed for this yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing is so we're not and we're never going to overturn the system that way. Let, let's gonna, be honest. I was like, just point blank. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> no, just hey, I'm going to let hey, you know. Hey, by the here. way, I gave up. The whole project is doomed. Uh, no, but like uh, in in the small bore, right? In in the in the showing up and the being there and the going to the meetings and everything, you're not going to overturn the system, but. If you have the time to do that, if you have the energy to do that, this is going to concretely improve things for yourselves and for your neighbors, if you're able to. Like, I mean, it will. It will produce tangibly better, like, outcomes for you in the flying in the teeth of this capitalist machine that we're all being ground down by. It will still improve things, like, on the small scale, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. One example of a small-scale win is uh, the American Airlines pilots uh, recently reached a deal that still needs ratification or whatever, but they reached a deal with American Airlines. um, And they haven't really released, like, the details of it just to say that, like, it, um, they say, like, what the airline was prepared to give before the latest rounds of negotiations. So like, presumably it's a little better than that. They basically, they threaten strike, you know, like we're going to strike. We're about to hit summer travel season. Hmm. You'll be fucked. (laughs) And apparently, uh, not just them, but like pilots at United airlines, Southwest airlines, FedEx, these guys are still in negotiations right now. So, you know, good luck to them. Yeah. Yeah. Hold their feet to the fire for real. Uh, and and support them, you know. If you if you see actions that they're taking out there, or they're building up strike funds or whatever, do what you can. 
But the American Airlines one, I think, jumped out at me because it was actually in a local. It was in the uh, DFW Fox affiliate that I saw the first um, article about it. And so I was digging in. Uh, but the, the, the airline apparently was initially going to offer 40% cumulative raises in a four-year deal. Including 401k contributions, a senior narrow-body captain would be making $475,000 a year at the top of the scale. So I guess you have to work your way up to that. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, pilots make bank. I mean, you know, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. A little bit of a white-collar union, maybe. But, like, it also, I think, um, the, the like, support staff and stuff was on strike for this, too. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I bet it would still help the support staff to get higher wages as well. Yeah, the original article that I was reading about basically did a... Uh, I was just reading it, so maybe it was like a a transcript from a TV spot, because that's how it read. That's sort of like someone talking under a B-real thing. They were interviewing people, I think, at DFW um, and saying kind of what went on. And the company themselves even said in a statement to Fox 4, we have the best and most professional pilots in the business, and like all American Airlines team members, they deserve to be paid well and competitively. Which they only said after, like, you know... After insisting they'd not do that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is refreshing, I think, to hear them admit this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then they were asking passengers about this. One of them said, it makes me feel good. You need great pilots and great supporting staff for the pilots. You know, especially as summer travel ramps up, someone says, that'll be great for everything to settle down and for us to be able to fly still. That's nice. I mean, I was expecting, did we have a bad guy saying, they're going to make the, the prices higher? Nowhere in the article. Oh. And that, that's, that to me was a like the strange like the Twilight Zone departure from uh -huh. what you see in any sort of service worker, any sort of teacher, any sort of you know nurse or anything that's like a, you know, to introduce gender into it and more feminine coded job or a more service worker type of job is like, you know, what are you doing? Like, we're just trying to get our, you know, we're just trying to get someone to take care of our kid. I don't know. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's all these gripes. It's, of it's like, like a duty thing. Yeah. Like do yeah. it for them sort of thing. And it was refreshing to see people just like organically taking the side of the, yeah. the workers, you know, interesting. So we need to be more like pilots, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just we need to be do something really cool and kind of dangerous and that, you know, seems seems pretty sick. That's yeah. That's our new communist platform. Is you got to be hot pilots. Hot pilots, love <laughs> it. I would fly that airline. Hot pilots, <laughs> communism. That's that's what we've got to uh, blend, and that's what's going to bring it. <laughs> great plan. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that was that was a refreshing change of pace. Hopefully, like I said, all goes well for United, Southwest, FedEx. Not the companies, but like the workers. You know. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. their negotiations. Um, take them for all they're worth. I yeah, mean. man. <laughs> um, I have a related story, but it goes back many, many centuries further than this mm. recent strike. All right. This was a, a popular tweet about a month ago, uh, so no one remembers it anymore, so it's new. <laughs> new tweet, who this? <laughs> Uh, and it was about uh, one of the earliest examples of a strike taking place under the rule of Pharaoh Ramses III. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Wow. Really throwback. So apparently 
during the building of his tomb, the workers were upset about their treatment and they kept getting their payments delayed. The, the scribe negotiated with local officials for them to like give some grain to the workers to hold them over. But then they like went, went right back to preparing for this like fucking grand festival that was going to cost a bunch of money. <laughs> so, mm. And so the payment to the workers was late again and again until finally all of the workers in the necropolis uh, went on fucking strike. <laughs> Hell yeah. They laid down their tools and marched toward the city, shouting, we are hungry. They went and demonstrated at Ramsey's mortuary temple and also did a sit-in near the temple of Tutmos. So yeah, the officials were like, what the fuck do we do? This never happened. <laughs> oh, okay. So I just learned a new word, y'all. <laughs> In reading this article, as I'm talking about it, there's a term ma'at, M-A apostrophe A-T, and it was like this cultural value in ancient Egypt of harmony, uh, of universal, communal, and personal balance. So basically, like, this is this is how the world should work. And, you know, part of that equation is what, what I would equate to maybe like a feudal system. Like, hey, the king's got to take care of his people and we work for the king. Yeah. Other terms are like noblesse oblige of like, mm. they're in charge, but they give you shit. Mm-hmm. Or like mandate of heaven style in like China, like oh, they're, they're they're good, but like you know they're they're ordained by heaven because they provide for the people that sort of thing. And they were so used to this system running smoothly that they didn't really know what to do. And this is why I love the original tweet because it characterizes it as you know when the boss orders a pizza party to make everyone happy, <laughs> they ordered pastries uh, and delivered them to the striking workers and hoped they'd be fine and just go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were they sad ending? Uh, no, they fucking the next day broke into the central grain storehouse in Thebes. <laughs> oh hell yeah! They broke in, demanded their pay. They got basically the cops called on them. Um, but it was just one guy. It was basically just like, I don't know, some tough guy, I guess. And there were so many and they like refused to leave. So he just like left. He was like, I don't know. (laughs) I'll give up. That was (laughs) hard guys. Yeah. That was too many people. Uh, so eventually the back pay was finally handed over after the negotiated between the priest officials and the strikers. But as soon as they got back home, they realized their next payment was also going to be delayed. So they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) So they went on strike again. They blocked all access to the Valley of the Kings. They're like, no fucking work is getting done here. And which also like really fucked up like the priests and stuff because they're supposed to go in there to like make offerings to the dead all the time, like food and drinks. Mm -hmm. So it was very like offensive. Yeah. They were like, uh, you know, the dead can die. The dead can't even die. They're already dead. You know, we can (laughs) we can die out here by starvation. So for real. Uh, they've threatened to remove them uh, with armed guards, and the strikers threatened to damage the royal tombs, which is pretty fucking baller. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, they, they the strikers were so upset at this, like, unbalance of the system of like, hey, what the fuck? Like, this is not how this is supposed to work. I think in an intellectual level, maybe on a more... Uh... Less cultural, you know. Well, yeah, but on a, on a more fundamental level, they're more upset of like, motherfucker, I'm not getting paid. I'm not, I'm not eating. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. It went on for like three years on and off. Shit. So like back and forth, like, okay, we'll give you some money. Okay, fuck, we ran out of money again. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, baby, stop building crazy Ramsey's things. Ramsey's three. Like, get your finances together. <laughs> he needed a debt ceiling. For sure. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. So this was like in Thebes. So it was like the local government was trying to hide this from the rest of Egypt because they didn't want to like the Pharaoh to get mad at them. <laughs> easier. Easier to do than... <laughs> than today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh no, it does have a sad ending though. The the big party that they were preparing for, the Jubilee, um, in 1156 BCE, was a great success, and everyone enjoyed it so much that they characterize it as forgetting their troubles, which is not accurate because the next line does say they kept striking. So okay, they had one good party day and then right, went right back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically they're just saying like from that point the workers like would always that they were less trusting i guess um and you know that that continued to be an issue good that's one thing that i probably struggled with in my earliest years because i was still just a baby lib basically of teaching world history and stuff but something i've always tried to include in my teaching of history especially since i developed myself into more of a Marxist and stuff is uh, like lesson number one of like understanding history is people don't want to be enslaved. People want to be free and anywhere and everywhere you see people being enslaved or people having their freedoms curtailed, they're going to be fighting against that. Whether the historical record that you're being shown tells you that or not. Yes. I love that. Like, People have always been doing this, and that that's why I love this story. And and apparently, like, tomb workers were kind of like artisans, and so they were like, what the fuck, you're treating me badly? Like, what does that mean for everybody else? Like, it was a real, like, shocking thing for them not to get paid on time. Because they're the ones who would, like, inscribe the hieroglyphics and shit. Like, the, I mean, fucking brainy guys, you know. Mm-hmm. They they're very, skilled like, with their hands, and they respected. can chisel. Yeah. Yeah. So and like, well, you're, you're short shrift to me. The guy hauling the bricks up to me is going to be even worse. Right. And, mm-hmm. and the, and like you said, the, the system of Ma'at of like, we all have this harmonious role to play together. If we're, if you're, if you're, if you're down to fucking me over like this guy, he's really getting, <laughs> the, and that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said about, you know, what history we are taught, uh, this was not written in in the uh, official historical records. Uh, the record of this uh, was from a papyrus scroll discovered elsewhere, and and was written by like a different scribe or whatever. Uh, so this was this was not like it was his own diary. Like <laughs> holy shit! Like I was that was a crazy that. day. <laughs> I mean, it all ended fine. We got pizza, but like, but. <laughs> But yeah, that is, uh, according to this this article, worldhistory.org, hopefully a good enough source. <laughs> you got a good domain name. I believe in you. Um, according <laughs> to this, it is the earliest reported strike or, you know, recorded, I guess, would be more accurate. Well, uh, I, I did kind of rough Google this, and there is a journal in JSTOR. Oh, JSTOR's got it. So, yeah, the Journal of Eastern Studies from... You know, Near Eastern Studies, maybe not the best name, but like from 1951. <laughs> so that's what they're working with. So there were there were Egyptologists like talking about this shit. So yeah, sounds sounds legit. And yeah, I, that's you know when we talk about you know the pyramids and everything, and oh, well, there was slave labor and stuff. People 
uh, just so much of history gets kind of glossed over, like feudalism and stuff. Yeah, people, how many peasant revolts were mm-hmm. there that you don't get taught about? Like that were and like are historically documented and stuff. And people rose up, and even smaller than the really big ones that make the page. There's all this little you know undercurrent of resentment, undercurrent of resistance and stuff that I think speaks to the human spirit, but also serves to in the historical record serves to silence it when we're not aware of that. When, when we don't realize that under all these conditions, you know, our forebears, you know, bucked against these inhumane treatments and we don't, if we, if we don't get that story, we're not like, condition to we don't feel empowered to continue it yeah and we're not like that's that's what i'm from i'm from the people who stood up right like we we don't get that yeah yeah it it feels impossible it feels like that's just not how it's done you know Yeah, and that's it's it's sort of it's it's very i think very multicultural in that way of like there's so many you know traditions of that when we look at um indigenous people in the Americas when we look at enslaved people uh, in the Americas when we look at uh, people put in serfdom in Europe and I mean, like everyone can identify with this as long as they're seeing themselves as the good guys as the you know as the modern day proletariat the working class like that's I mean it's uh, again it always comes back to for us which side <laughs> are you on right oh yeah I'm on the side of the pyramid builders apparently yeah that's cool that's a good find thank you i was very happy about it one thing i saw that was very eye-opening to me is that uh very recently uh monday so a few days back from release day three of the states of the united states reached an agreement like a water deal agreement about the colorado river oh shit that was that's a controversial one yeah so there was a big, you know, the federal government was sending them down and stuff. And basically because everybody was going to need to do rat, And everyone's still basically going to need to do rationing still. <laughs> uh, but these states reached an agreement to get paid by the federal government to meet water restriction levels. Because they are fucking up the Colorado River. They're just like oh. guzzling it. You know, cities out in the American Southwest... That probably shouldn't be there based on like the water sources <laughs> and water tables and things like that. They're there and they need, you know, now they, that they have people there and they need water and all that. Right. And so they reached this deal and part of the New York Times kind of investigation or whatever of this publicizing it to the to the general public raised my eyebrows. They did this infographic about the 1.9 trillion gallons of water that are consumed from the Colorado River Basin in a typical year. That's a lot. So that's a lot, first of all. But they do this, like, <laughs> cool stream infographic where, it, like, you know, the whole oh, lock branches in out. takes it off. Yeah. Uh, what percentage of this would you say is devoted to residential usage? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to guess, like, 20 it's a little less than 20, but that's pretty close. I did a project on water usage in college, so oh, <laughs> I okay. just went off of that. <laughs> so you know probably the big culprit here. So 12% is residential, 
four percent commercial and industrial. Oh, I know the big boy. That's agriculture, baby. That is agriculture at seventy nine percent. Oh yeah. Now, oh yeah. To fit into our vegan vegetarian sort of themes from mm-hmm. before, which full disclosure, I was a, I am not a bad communist and ate wings for dinner today. <laughs> In my defense, I'm trying to be low carb, and that's pretty low, pretty low carb, but not great veganness anyway i'm gonna have steak twice this week so hey if kyle was making me cauliflower uh buffalo wings i'd be all about that they're so good heavenly um but agriculture 79 percent uh livestock feed or i guess livestock in general livestock feed is 55 percent livestock watering is one percent so livestock 56 percent of (laughs) Of the 1.9 trillion gallons of water that they're oh. fighting over and everything. Oh my god. If you cut, like, if you, uh, I mean, you don't have to cut that completely out. If you, you cut don't. that by like, half. 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 Every time you go to eat meat, like, do it every other time. <laughs> yeah. Or more realistically, like, shut down some companies because they're terrible. Yeah. It's crazy. Incre- I was just, I was, I was kind of shocked. I hadn't done that course in college and i was like whoa i thought this was golf courses no 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 it's <laughs> the biggest fucking use of water energy in general it's just a huge fucking suck yeah that was <laughs> that was astounding um <laughs> i mean okay so you know what can people do about that like i mean they can make their personal choices i don't think this is the most effective way can they demand of their local authorities or can they just mobilize people or i don't know this is something we talked about in our food episodes it's like it it is such a personal thing like they are going to have to come to terms with like yeah if i manage to bully this government into enforcing some limits on on how much water goes to livestock i am getting less meat so it's it's a bit of an uphill battle i think they have i think yeah you have to Really, probably to address that problem, you have to take over the system. I because think in so. that way, then you can say, "We're going to set up, we're going to set it up to where people can access." You know, pe- people have good fucking vegetables. People have good. That's you know, the thing. People have good everything, and then they can choose within that. And then, if they choose within that, they're going to have to give up certain other things, certain other luxuries to get like the cool shit. But you can't just be like from our draconian system of you get nothing, fuck you. Just say also you're not getting this. Like that's that's the thing is that that we have artificially cheap beef and things like that. Like we can't just pull that out from under people. So yeah, we'd have to like subsidize or you know just give healthy food to people, which that's not gonna happen. We're cutting snap right right and left. Oh yeah, and. I think that's part of the reason that people get this sort of stereotyped veganish liberal caricature thing of like, oh, you know, you're not in touch with real Americans. You understand we eat hamburgers down here and we, <laughs> you know, that's what families depend on. And, you know, I mean, like you're, you're I mean, like not yeah. to be mean, you are right. Like people depend on food that sticks to your ribs and food that like you can make a big plate for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. Come on. But it shouldn't we, have to be that way. We grew up eating that. Like we get oh, it. Oh yeah. Like, that's what that's that was 
these are our dishes and stuff. Like we were that. telling our friends about hot dog sandwiches and they were horrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's, you understand, you know, if you understand like, you know, poverty, being working class, like you get like working class <laughs> meals, sort of like that. And if, you know, and then if you're being talked to by people who don't and they're just like, why don't you just eat more, more kale and more of this and stuff, but they're not like providing you just the dollars to go do that. That should, I mean, that is alienating and, and it's understandable yeah. why that's alienating, you know, and dollars uh, and time too. It takes so much time to like properly prepare delicious vegetarian meals. That's true. Yeah. Especially vegan. That's even harder. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's one avenue that we'll have to eventually tackle, I think, like I said, probably more of a entire systemic food systems thing rather than definitely rather than some sort of consumer oriented sort of personal choice thing. I, I, I yeah, do think that I that agree. like puts us out onto the fringe of like just you guys are woo woo weird. Just preaching. You know? Yeah. All right. I got a weird one. Ooh. All right. All right. This was from one of those tweets that was uh, like, you know tell me something that makes you sound crazy. And this, this was, tell me a conspiracy theory that that's true, but makes you sound insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I love these because I believe most of them. <laughs> well, this one is, I mean, the screenshot has it coming from CIA.gov. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They've never done a disinformation op, by the way. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, but they're admitting some pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> so this one's from the Philippines. We're talking about a guy named Lansdale. Like the Lansdale? I mean, I don't know his first name in this paragraph. It doesn't say. Edward? I don't know. Vamp? Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, Go you ahead. know. You know what's coming. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so he initiated a, a, a Psy War operation, uh, which played on some superstitions in, in the Philippines about an Aswang a mythical vampire. So the squad goes into town, plants rumors all around like, oh, there's fucking vampires over there. Where, where these, uh, the Hucks were based, which is like a communist group. Mm -hmm. So they're being like, ooh, those communists hanging out with vampires. Pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get involved and, in that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this was all in an effort to, to run them out of this, this area. Two nights later, after they let those rumors kind of simmer, <laughs> they laid an ambush for some rebels along a trail. And so when, when these, these hook people passed, uh, they snatched the last guy out of the line, punctured his neck, vampire style, <laughs> with two holes, <laughs> held his body by the heels until the blood drained out, put the corpse back on the trail. Damn. X-Files calls that ensanguination or exsanguination. Yeah. Exsanguination. That'd be a cool album name or something. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. That's like 90s metal. Yes. Sort of exsanguination. <laughs> but that was a big thing of uh, cattle mutilation. Uh, oh, yeah. Sightings and stuff is that they would be exsanguinated or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Draining the blood. So, yeah. When, when the hooks found this, this body, they, they fled from the region. <laughs> didn't they was this the same one that they also like flew it may have been this one or it may have been a vietnam 
But they flew like helicopters with like speakers with like creepy music and like voices. <laughs> I and don't the, know that The one. voices would be like kind of ghost voices. It'd be like, ah, I am your ancestor sort of thing. Wow. Like, like, like trying to haunt people basically with that. <laughs> well, I will say at the start of this paragraph says another Lansdale initiated Cywar op. So like probably he did more shit. <laughs> Lansdale was fucking <laughs> nut. That's why I, I said, so, oh, wait, hold on. The Lansdale? Yeah, I've heard of this guy. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> uh. He was up to it, man. Yeah. Well, this comes from a book called Killing Hope, U.S. Military and CIA Interventions Since World War II. Is that Bloom? Yeah. Yeah, Bloom's great. Uh, I've used him as a source uh, for East Germany stuff, Hungary stuff as well. Like, he's he's good. Uh, Good anti-imperialist guy. I'm just scanning the table of contents, and there's some interesting stuff here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. uh, Syria, 1956 to 1957. Subtitled, Purchasing a New Government. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Indonesia, 1957 to 1958. Subtitle, War and Pornography. Nice. Sounds fun. These are really good titles. This guy's funny. (laughs) No, So from the stuff I've read of his, I don't know, his writing, I guess, makes sense in in kind of the Cold War context and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it kind of fits that in with there. With what's going on there. And I think that some of the more modern books that I want to get into, like the Jakarta Method and uh, Washington Bullets and those sorts of books, I think kind of seem to build off of sort of his themes, but more in the modern era. Because I think his cutoff is maybe in the 90s or something um, or 2000s. Yeah, 94 looks like the latest one here. Yeah. But um, all of that, I think, is is... Very interesting sins of empire shit uh, in terms of, I don't know, America's always, and the, and the West in general is always like, oh, our values and stuff like this. But this is what they really do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm learning a lot just from these subtitles. They're cracking me up. I could literally read all of them because they're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so Google this book and it's, it's table of contents because it's very funny. <laughs> also... It is uh, the PDF of the whole thing is hosted on like the yeah. CIA website. Yeah. I've just checked the the H like the the path and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, which is um, you know definitely a rare instance of just completely posting an L and just like letting <laughs> that happen. it up. <laughs> that's crazy, man. That's using up a lot of domain space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then again, maybe he's like, you know, an op in some way because they're letting that happen. So it's like a limited hangout. I don't know. But no, maybe it's like a threat. Like, look at all the shit we can do. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's a brag. (laughs) They think it's a brag. It's like just posting like a mounted deer head on there. (laughs) Very tough and scary. Look what we did. We're so impressed, Dave and Dan. Yes, you guys are big, tough men. Mm hmm. Speaking of posting some some stuff, this one comes from a a federal judge uh, who had to hear (laughs) a very interesting case. Uh, This is from 2019, but the the proceedings are happening now, I believe. All right. Okay. Um, So this guy posts a meme on Facebook, which read, Boss makes a dollar. I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. Did you say poop or shit? Yes, I said poop. (laughs) 
Accompanying the quote was a picture of the Sesame Street character Elmo seated on a potty. Going like, I mean, yeah, basically yeah, doing, doing a little poop. This, that's his, yeah, all right, that's his thing. And the company's manager and co-owner saw this post, and he texted him, "We don't make a dollar when you're shitting all the time. Why don't you stay home and do your shitting? <laughs> Why don't you stay home and do your shitting?" <laughs> I don't like to play your bullshit games. Maybe there's a company out there that would put up with your games because I won't. Good luck. And then it's firing him? He fires him for posting <laughs> a meme. Damn. Oh, so he's claiming that he was fired for that. His employer's claiming he's fired for ditching work. I mean, we got the text receipts, but okay. <laughs> but like, even if he was fired for that, is he working in some sort of contract state? Um... Like- He's working in Texas. You can fire a guy for that. Why not? I mean, that's true. Let me see. I need to find out more about this. I don't even know how to Google this. It's from Michigan. It was in the like, I'm seeing the image in question, and it is Elmo doing his little thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. in a union. God help his employer. Yeah, right? I mean, God don't. Smite his employer, but... No. No. <laughs> oh, he was a contractor. Uh-huh. masonry contractor at roman stoneworks oh and don't worry the employer did get harassed online they changed all of his shit like online to be like poop jokes <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry praxis yeah back in the day we had communist book clubs underground organizations who we were robbing uh banks and blowing up like <laughs> bank wagons and shit and making mm-hmm. off with the dough nowadays a little smaller scale we are uh changing the company's business profile uh and changing the name to elmo's roman stoneworks and communal outhouse and <laughs> elmo's fecal works <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you know same the gist of it is the same it's We're the same all mad <laughs> yeah it's the same lineage from the egyptian strikers <laughs> uh well, hopefully, what, this is still working its way through, you said? There was a defamation suit, and I think the the worker, Hidalgo, he, he lost that. Yeah, the, his bosses hit him with a defamation suit, which is crazy. You're the ones that fired him, but okay. And so the guy ends up going bankrupt because of it, and now they're in the bankrupt suit. Oh, wow. Yeah, so pretty fucked up. You just started GoFundMe for this guy. Yeah, he's a he's a pooping hero. Should be able to poop, man. It's a good break. <laughs> um, what you got? Uh, I got a couple options. So I have yachts or I have restaurants. Let's go restaurants. I'm hungry. All right. Uh, so this is an article from the New York Times talking about the burgeoning restaurant scene in the DFW area. I love the DFW area. In the Dallas area specifically. And it says, for diners with deep pockets, Uh Dallas is the new Dubai. Oh, wow. Okay. This might end up being really embarrassing because I'll like write these places down. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me where to go. (laughs) So it will, it may be. Uh, Okay. Tell me. The crowds streaming into Highland Park Village are hungry Ugh. for luxury. I don't go to Highland Park. I'm not that douchey. At this open-air shopping center in suburban Dallas, a valet park their Porsches, 
Sport Yves Saint Laurent handbags. I don't know how to say it, but I know Saint Laurent. I don't know the first name. That's Y V E S. Yves? Yves, maybe? Yeah, you know, but it's French. Like, you pronounce every little bit. That's true. So that's Just start mumbling. Eve. Anyway, uh, flit in and out of Audemars Piguet and pause for brunch at Sadell's, the fancy new deli from Major Food Group in New York. I don't know that one. I don't know any of these places because well, fuck Highland Park. <laughs> Sadell's, very fancy. You can snack on $18 pigs in a blanket. <laughs> what kind of pigs are they? $85 latkes topped with salmon and ocetra caviar. Oh my God. Is that like we literally just caught the f- salmon and flew it over on its own jet? <laughs> no, the salmon flew itself over on the own jet. That's why it's, <laughs> it's, it's educated it's genetically salmon. mutated. <laughs> <laughs> Even the sugar for coffee comes to the table in tiny Lake Crusade Dutch ovens. Okay. I do love Lake Crusade. You know, I'm a bitch for yeah. that. <laughs> but why put the sugar in it? That's... I don't, that's way too many. If you're buying that for a whole restaurant, that's expensive. So the whole thing is like this sort of, Expo, not expose it's it's <laughs> expose slash celebration the article doesn't really land one way um of the just conspicuous consumption and like ridiculous excessiveness of this burgeoning dallas food scene here there's a picture of a guy putting down like a um like a tea tray you know it, it's like uh-huh, this uh-huh. but the caption calls it a tower of smoked fish but this is just a tea tray it's three layers <laughs> i mean that's um, that's a lot of smoked fish a lot of smoked fish for 140 dollars oh my gosh so i don't know if that a, a texan menu uh, you know a texan ordering a, a tower of smoked fish for 140 dollars i'm expecting something to rival you know the tower <laughs> of babel or something but there's some more oh. i think interesting kind of parts to this to me that grabbed my mind for one like just how incredibly quickly dallas has grown the dfw area from april 2020 to july 2021 gained about 122,000 new residents wow i mean i believe it like Like if you you thought traffic got worse (laughs) it it did did. it definitely did uh i meet like Every other person I meet is from somewhere else now, I feel like. It's it's very strange. Yeah. more Apparently, that's more than any other metro area in the nation. Wow. Some dem- demographers predict that by the 2030s, Dallas, which is now the largest metropolis in Texas, could replace Chicago as the third <sighs> largest metro area in the nation. Moving on up. We'll never reach Houston, though. No. Yeah. But why would we want to? It sucks. I'm just kidding. If you're from Houston, it's fine. I just like to <laughs> shit on them because it's funny. I am. You're neutral. Compl- yeah. I'm, uh, what makes a man turn neutral? I don't know. But <laughs> I am that way between Dallas and Houston. They're both cool. But this a couple. This article says um, it because most of it is focused on like the. We'll get to a little bit more of like the. The, the weirdness of the excessive <laughs> consumption. I can't of everything. wait. Uh, but it juxtaposes that with the city of Dallas. Uh, oh, God. Like any major city, Dallas has its share of want. 17.7% of its population lives in poverty, and it also has economic inequality. The area is home to 92,300 millionaires and 18, one eight. 
billionaires. Jesus. <laughs> that's a lot. I hate that. It's the 18th wealthiest city in the world. Wow, that's pretty up there. Yeah. Man, maybe we are snobs. That is the stereotype. The Dallas is snobby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looks like this person, Julie Maclow, the founder of Maclow American Single Malt Whiskey, which sells for $350 to $400 a shot in numerous Dallas restaurants. Fuck that. Fuck that. I've not heard of that. I'm I'm going to ask Kyle if that's even good. <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, that's shit. <laughs> like, I hope so. I hope he's like, oh, it's trash. She said, you have no idea the velocity of spending that happens in that market. It's like the U.S.'s version of Dubai. Oh, my God. Fuck off. Apologies, Julie Mancla, if you don't sound like that. But class-wise, you do sound like that. So <laughs> I'm not you that You sound sorry. terrible. <laughs> Ugh. There was something. Oh, here, another good thing. There's one place that they are opening in the Reunion Tower. No, they recently opened called <gasps> Crown Block. Oh, man. Reunion Tower had such good roots, too. Well, they opened this place called Crown Block there. They have a seafood tower. I don't know how tall this seafood tower is, <laughs> but it costs $230. And the place had 10,000 reservations before they even released a menu. <gasps> Why are you going? What are place? you? What? Is it like a celebrity chef is cooking? <laughs> like, what is what is the draw here? Right. Except for to be seen, to, to, yeah. to do the thing in the new place. Right? Oh, God, Conspicuous I guess. consumption. I mean, like that's that's the only explanation. This other place, another. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe people understand that this is like uniquely good, but maybe they're just doing it for the show. The three month old Dallas branch of La Neta Cocina y Lounge, originally from Las Vegas, so it's not even like a Dallas staple. Yeah. It's just a new place. And that's it's a fucking chain essentially. Well a lot of people in the article complain about like this chainifying of it sort of thing. Offers a ninety five dollar lobster taco served in a cheese stuffed tortilla. Oh my God. <laughs> what are we doing? Ninety five dollars. For like one taco? Yeah. What the fuck? For a taco served in a there's another one this guy said, we have a whole king crab that serves eight people and is $1,000. Oh, my God, guys. He says Dallas diners will show up and spend that. I won't. I mean, listen, listen. I fully admit to being a bit of a Fraser Crane. I like nice food. I like yeah. nice wine. Yeah, sure, I do. sure. I like nice cocktails. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I go to a, you know, it is a French restaurant, and it sounds very fancy when you say mm-hmm. that. But, like, it's reasonable. You know, like, yeah, it's a little, it's pricey, but it's not, like thousands of dollars for just like a meal but even if it's reasonable even you know within those constraints or outside of them even it's also chill (laughs) this is the other thing is like why are you going there right are you going going there because it's fucking tasty and i like the bartender there and he's very nice (laughs) that is so much here here was one of the like the saddest quotes that i read in the story uh was from this guy sorry if you're a friend of the show if you're a listener if you're a secret <laughs> communist you are very secret you're very lost <laughs> in that you gave this quote to the new york times and i don't know how you're living this double life god i thought this was going to be from the dallas morning news i'm embarrassed <laughs> no this isn't the time this is paper record <laughs> oh god they're putting us out there uh george white a retired it salesman who eats out often kind of asked you know <laughs> i don't know uh, like the scene i guess because he says 
you have two Ritz Carltons being built here. Things are happening. Like, <laughs> is this enough reason to pull you out to a to to this fancy place? Why are you eating here? Like, you didn't say anything about like, this is good. This is a very tasty place to eat. Or I like the bartender here. Or anything. It's just things are happening. There's things are happening. There, you know, it's it's bustling. There are there are fancy hotels here. There, it's just ugh. Like and how yeah, hollow. Yeah, you can tell so much of that is branding too. You know. Yeah. It's, but there was a refreshing part of the article where they were saying how some people said, fuck this, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the thing about Dallas, like, yeah, it, it does have great restaurants, but it also has really affordable restaurants, too. Like, we have a fucking vibrant Mexican scene. We have, uh, we have like, a, a little Korean town that's amazing. Like, we have yeah. amazing stuff. Um, I mean, because it's such a big city, we have tons of immigrant populations. And that means delicious food. For sure. Brian Reinhart, the restaurant critic at D Magazine, uh, recently published a list of the city's 50 best restaurants and deliberately left the out-of-town chain restaurants off it. Hell yes. I think I just read that and (laughs) went through the list. And my restaurant was on it. I'm not going to tell you all what it is, but you could probably (laughs) figure it out by now. Don't ruin my restaurant. Yeah, no. (laughs) We're not issuing calls for listeners to go to this restaurant. Please Uh, don't. I need it. I need it. It's already crowded sometimes. But I mean, I don't know. I I agreed with Ryan here. If we are headed toward a world where the highest end dining is just as chainified as the most basic fast food, Mm. it's going to be harder for Dallas to maintain any sort of distinction or culinary character. I mean, I don't think that's just for Dallas. I think like for anywhere, like, and we've talked about this before, the like removal of place from different, you know, like oh everything God, becomes yeah. this like chain thing of like, it's the same as everywhere else. That sucks. No one likes that. You know? No. Yeah. I've traveled way more in the past year and I can tell you that's absolutely true. Like I'm like, I, I know exactly what restaurant is going to be next to another restaurant just because I know. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, mean, I know there's going to be Target and a Starbucks here. Of course there is. And it's like bad kind of, <laughs> I don't know. It it's just, very well, bad. It's very sad. It just, yeah, it's, it drains you of the sense of place. Like, there's no mm-hmm. place in There's no color. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I agree on, like, the chainifying of everything. Like, I think fashion definitely does this. Like, high-end fashion is, is mm. all fucking branding. Like, That's what she I was, was saying about the Met Gala, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, first off, celebrating this guy who was, like, super racist and fatphobic and just, like, a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they decided to honor him, and that was the theme. But yeah, it's so much of high-end fashion is just like, oh, well, it's Gucci, so it's good, or whatever. And like, mm. that's not to say like there's not artistic merit in some of their shows. Like, I have been impressed by by some like big names. But I think what is infuriating about that is that it also goes the other way, too, is like fashion picks up on street fashion so much, like streetwear. And those people don't get the accolades, you know? They're not the ones that are getting paid bajillions of dollars because they like... I don't know, just look cool on the fucking streets of New York or whatever. Yeah. Like, they're not the ones that, that get to profit off of it. But, like, I don't know. It's just a very weird cycle. It's uh, it's it's similar. It's an echo of the music industry and sampling and that sort of stuff of, like, you know, oh, you make the big hit thing off of some old Motown record or whatever. Who's getting the residuals off of that or whatever? Who's getting the royalties from that? Nobody now. Probably white people. <laughs> yeah. And... Certainly not the you know black artists who created it, and that's that, that's the same thing with the streetwear thing is is it's it's all it's not <laughs> like you're saying from conspiracies before it's not 
a mustache twirling conspiracy here, but it is a class conspiracy of the right people are getting the money. Truly, truly. My last item, uh, this is a real downer, so I hope your yacht one is fun. Uh, It's it's uplifting. Oh, I'm sure. If there's yachts, it's got to be. It's got to be a party. This is about a program in Canada called MAID, uh, which stands for Medically medical assistance and death. And this is a, a crop of stories that have come up in the past, looks like a few months here, of this being essentially eugenics for poor people Ooh. or disabled people. One third of Canadians fine with prescribing assisted suicide for homelessness. Wow. Roughly the same number told a poll they were fine with approving made for someone whose only affliction was poverty. How much? A third? A, th- a third. of can- Like, what the fuck, Canada? I thought you were supposed to be cool. Well, you got to take into account Alberta, the Texas of Canada. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Uh, I mean, if you factor us into the United States. <laughs> and then we plus really all the people living in otherwise progressive states but like live in the city and then are mm-hmm. the callous sort you know but mm-hmm. fuck they're just yeah i'm sorry this person's too poor it's just it's too but, much trouble well sadly i mean from their point of view they would say if this person decided they wanted to end their life because they were too poor they would be okay with it is what they're saying that's what they're saying it's not like we're going to go right. hold them down and inject them but like you could say Obviously, if you're living in a state that provides nothing and, you know, you're you're either disabled and not getting enough benefits or you are, you know, homeless and you don't have any relief from that. Like, yeah, like there's a there's a video um, in this thread uh, talking about a a guy who who is uh, like has chronic illness and he's about to lose his apartment and he's applying for this. He's just like, I would rather be alive, but like, I don't. I know I won't survive out in the streets, and this is what I have to do. Communist solution. We run the How's same... everybody? We, well, <laughs> yes. But, well, okay, so yeah, we established a just society and everything like that. We, we do all that. Yeah, like, that we have this program still basically running. If you, yeah, if you are, like, super sick and you want to Well, here's the out. twist. Oh, we got a twist. If... You are, you know, in the, in, you, you end up in the sad situation where you want to do this, mm-hmm. which probably won't happen as much because we're doing everything else right. But like in the transition, maybe, mm-hmm. and this will encourage us to speed the transition along because if someone requests this and says, I would like to die, what actually happens is we take someone from the well-off classes at random at lot <laughs> and execute them. And you can have their stuff. Yeah. Execute them, you take their stuff, you don't know why, and that's that's what happens. <laughs> that's insane. I mean, it's less insane than this. Because, eh, come on, the last shall be first and first shall be last. Like, this is ridiculous that, that people are like, well, you know, they don't have any any thought of, like, there, but for the grace of God, go I Like, this could be me. Like, they, yeah, there's yeah. no empathy. One, one bad accident, one string of bad luck. Like Bef- Before you were even born, that could have happened. And, like, you have yeah. to... You have no control over that. People are just so quick to, to say, oh, this was, this was all me. This was, I, you know, and we, we've, come on, we've heard it before of like, I have heard y'all's story before, parents like and everything. And, and there's a lot of luck involved there. 
It's oh, not yeah. all of you just pulling yourself up, but people internalize this like notion of, oh, I did everything for myself. Everyone's a, the main character. Everyone's got main character syndrome. Yeah. And it's like, well, why couldn't this other person do it? Maybe they fucking tried, you know, like, or yeah. maybe they tried and like didn't do a very good job. Still, does that condemn them to like being fucking killed because they weren't good enough? Ooh, I got a good interim method, though. So we don't want to just like kill random people. Right. So like just just, you know, kind of well off ish sort of people. So we want to assemble like a like a communist hit squad. Okay. And so these guys are like the elite commandos. And whenever someone signs up for this program, the elite commandos get the order to go take <laughs> out like a Elon Musk uh-huh. uh, Titan of industry kind of person in like retribution for it. I mean, I think we would have already gotten those guys at that point, depending where we are in the cycle. Yeah. I no, guess. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. This is before this is like while this program is going on, mm-hmm. but we're still under capitalism. Oh, okay. We have okay to, like, I get it. We put together like a red army faction, like a, like a, mm-hmm. like a, underground guerrilla movement we do our thing is slash murder assassinating people (laughs) based on the canadian desire for suicide program or whatever yeah yeah there's another story here from independent uh which says a paralympian uh claims that canada offered to euthanize her when she asked for a stair lift Hmm? so like a person is trying to become more mobile and is like hey this thing will make my life better and you're like are you sure you wouldn't rather die what the fuck jeez yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like, I am in favor of, of like, I am assisted too. suicide, like, in, in, you know, those situations. But, like, if you're in a system that is actively or passively encouraging people to pursue that just based on poverty and, and disability, like, your fucking system's fucked. Like, this yeah. should be, like, a fucking alarm bell. Yeah. And honestly, I won't be so upset if... It is an alarm bell. Like if Canada does take this as like, hey, we're we're like not going to do that again. So like we never hear another story, you know, about someone getting that sort of a recommendation. <laughs> That's kind of fine. Like that should not happen in the first place. Sure. But like, okay, you corrected it. Because I'm with you. I, I, I do. I would like to be able to. No, nah, I'm not very courageous. I don't think I ever would. But still, I would like to be able to end my life on my terms sort of thing. I think yeah. people have that right. Absolutely. But to just for, to, yeah, for seemingly the government to say, wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather just like not be here, please? I I guess I do understand conditions under which like that might accidentally happen. And then you would have to like kind of prune these off of like, well, that was, that was bad. We're not, you know, change policy there. I get that. But like, if that just repeatedly happens, that would suck. To me, it was such a, a black and white example of like, what? the system's literally killing us. Okay. Yeah. Just here you go. Wouldn't you rather die? But the, the homeless one was That's insane. horrifying. Or houseless. And people just judging that for other people, just saying like, yeah, you should. That's. But again, I'm for having that as an option to people without houses and saying, hey, would you rather end it? Cool. We're going to get you a house. <laughs> don't ask where it came from <laughs> don't worry about it uh. Uh, speaking of ridiculous accommodations uh, I read this article in the times about a very fancy yacht alrighty more fancy stor- stories it's just in time for the high season of yachting in the Mediterranean 
Oh, good. That's where all the rich people are. Or very, very poor people. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> sort of side note. Did you did you, did you hear about th- that that the New York Times caught on video um, Greece uh, stranding a migrant family out in <gasps> the Mediterranean? No. They caught them on video, like getting them off of whatever raft they were on, taking them out, putting them on a raft to be picked up by Turkish immigration or whatever, including a baby. Like a, oh my god! Like a little holding your hand, crying baby. I don't remember how many months. Some months. Yeah. Like, they caught them on video. They like they, they uh, it wasn't the time specific. It was some activist group, but they sent them in. They verified the stuff and whatever. Literally. Wow. They're just dumping people they don't want. Yeah. They were like, "Here you go. You guys take care of them." Just stranding them out there. The people are like interviewed later said like we thought we were gonna die. Like we were you know yeah put out here. Oh, uh, my God. Kids. So it's like, you know, the family. I mean, it's the whole yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. You know, when they happened, they had a little baby there, but they also had, like, kids and, the, and everything. It was terrible. Jesus Christ. They just recently tried to elect a fairly right-wing government, but they didn't get a majority enough. So I think they have to have another election, but still shitty what yeah, they're doing. That's, that's horrifying. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have very rich people with yachts. Great. Tell me about them. Including Jeff Bezos. Oh, no. I hate that guy. He has now a yacht called Koru, the world's largest sailing yacht at 417 feet. That's too many feet. It costs an estimated $500 million to build. That's like bigger than a football field, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, just because it's yards. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The fuck are you going to do with that? Parseval III, the boat featured on Bravo's reality series Below Deck Sailing Yacht, is 177 feet long, less than half the length of Koru, and cost $18 million. They really missed an opportunity with that name. They could have called it, like, Get On My Deck or something. (laughs) (laughs) They should have tried to do something cool with that. I agree. This article had a few different aspects it one was like the the <laughs> opulence yeah the well the uh, the opulence part too but like the kind of weird class stuff of it of for traditionalists koru is refreshing at a time when yacht design skews outrageous see oh, the God. lizard-like 262 foot artifact or the otherworldly 463 foot yas Koru stands out as a schooner, <laughs> a sailing vessel with two or more masts. Photos reveal a lot. And they just kind of talk about it or whatever. Um, just jerking off about yachts. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. As if I know these famous yachts, they're right. name dropping. It's, it's <laughs> like, oh, I saw that on Yacht Monthly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they interview this guy. says, with the clipper bow and the dark hull and the masts. Oh it reminds God. me of a boat built in 1930 for J.P. Morgan Jr., Corsair IV. <laughs> it's almost like a reincarnation. That should also be an alarm bell. <laughs> you shouldn't want more J.P. Morgans. No, yeah. It, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Weren't those the good old days? You know, the 30s when everything was so stable. <laughs> everything was fine. Everything was fine. Uh, what really got me, though, was its dinghy. So, Koru will be trailed by Abiona, a 246-foot support vessel. Super yachts often have support vessels following along behind them. These shadows, as they are colloquially known, are for the toys, the ATVs, supercars, seaplanes, motorcycles, smaller boats, scuba gear, 
personal submarines and even what? helicopters that pleasure boaters might bring on a trip. I didn't know personal submarines were a thing. <laughs> it's like a, you're just like biking it. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. <laughs> um, that's disgusting. Like I'm about to eat dinner, but like that made me sick. Holy shit. <laughs> no one needs that. Just no one. Like, okay. So I watched Ted Lasso. And, you know, it's a fairly lib show, but, like, mm-hmm. there was this moment where this, this woman is in a room with, like, all these CEO men, and she, uh, one of her friends texts her, like, remember, they're all, like, little boys once. And she, like, looks around and sees them as, like, these little children, uh, because they're talking about, like, doing this thing that would, you know, get them tons of money, but fuck over a lot of people. And she's just, like, she, like, yells at them like a mother, like, just just stop right now. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, it's tr- it just reaches this level of, like, just childlike greed of like what the fuck like you can't eat all the cake you'll die right like have have (sighs) some fucking sense oh my god i don't know the other thing that struck me of about about that is because this previous section i kind of skipped of like the experience of like oh this is oh it's it's greener because it's not a powerboat it's not like an engine oh you have the sails and it's like everybody imagine it because like you know jeff bezos this fucking you know half wit that he is he goes out there and he imagines like oh i'm gonna be like jack kennedy out in the harbor and you know i'm pulling mm. the sails and i've got my uh you know my my will a sail fucking do anything on a boat that big well, i, I mean, mean it, do it's stuff, I all guess, driven but... by sail so yeah but like okay. you know you gotta be fucking hauling it and fucking really doing stuff and everything and you gotta I mean, he's imagining himself of course you know this tighten mm-hmm. up the winds and stuff and i'm just gonna pull down the you know the rope and everything's gonna and i'll feel the salt in my the, hair uh, and the all boom that. i know that term i think yeah, i don't know anything about it but like i just i heard it on an interview with jimmy buffett so. and when you know and when they're, they're imagining all this and the same thing as the guys in texas driving around with all their jacked up trucks and everything oh, imagine they don't actually do anything as the king that of the ranch that. and everything yeah it's like mm-hmm. you know you're doing all that but what do you have behind you you know you have fucking all the the jet skis that you're gonna pull the out toys. here and the toys yeah the helicopters <sighs> and all this is like you're not you're you're not nothing man you're not any any sort of salt of the earth or anything you're you're, you're pretending you know, when you're like the little boys in your scene, it's like you're 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 having a go. <laughs> That's so gross. Oh my god. Also, like, what makes it a yacht? It's so big. Is what's the definition? I guess. So I don't actually know. Like, yacht That's fine. I don't actually super, care. I, I imagine it would be some sort of a super yacht. I don't need that information in my brain. I'm fine. <laughs> but one bright side to this article is when this was actually this is old news, but whenever they were constructing this they constructed it in um rotterdam or somewhere in the netherlands they were trying to get it out like to the ocean but they had to go through this bridge and they were gonna have to like take down the bridge to get it through (laughs) of course it's fucking idiots (laughs) and the townspeople there were like fuck you we're gonna throw eggs at this thing if you do this well we're just gonna fucking destroy your fucking yacht we're gonna make it look like shit yes and so because they were doing that, the bridge was not taken apart. The yacht was instead towed to a different location to put his masts on. So at least Eat the people, shit. you know, not our first strike. That was in Egypt, but we did show our popular discontent. We showed up. That's amazing. <laughs> you said this was the Netherlands? Yeah. Great job, Netherlands. Love y'all. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> 
All right. We're going to do kind of a short one today because I got dinner cooking downstairs. I don't. My wonderful, beautiful husband does. Nice. <laughs> and I'm going to go eat it. Uh, right. I will leave us with one more subtitle from this incredible book that I've been glancing at. Just it's open on my tabs and uh, I'm going to leave it open. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Dominican Republic, 1960 to 1966. Subtitle, Saving Democracy from Communism by Getting Rid of Democracy. <laughs> <laughs> Oldest story in the book. That is true. Jacobo Armens, democratically elected. And also was telling people, I'm just going to do capitalism. Like, he was, like, not a socialist. <laughs> he was, like, not even that. He was, like, I'm just going to try to, like, develop our country, guys. Like, uh, make us some money. Oh, this one's very confusing, and I want to know more. Haiti, 1986 to 1994. Who will rid me of this turbulent priest? Mm. <laughs> a reference to Thomas a Beckett. Ah. Uh, but in, in contemporariness, a reference to... Uh, Aristide, I want to say, or some. Aristide was was the guy they were trying to get rid of because he was like mm. a kind of a not a populist, but he was like more of the people trying to do popular reforms and and kind of social democratic things. Yeah, so that's okay. I, I got a little bit for that one too. I don't know much about <laughs> nice. it. A, a Haiti thing would be cool in the future. It's another sense of empire thing. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't really touched the Caribbean very much. All right. Um, let's see. Final one here. Guatemala, 1960. One good coup deserves another. (laughs) I just love their snappy little names. It makes me laugh. (laughs) Uh, They call that gallows humor when you're working in the agency that long. You got to come up with a way to deal with the shit that you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So next week we are actually off. I am out of state. So... Apologies, dear listeners. We don't miss many episodes around here. We've been doing this for three fucking years, if you can believe it. I, I sort of can. Sort of can't. <laughs> you feeling it? It's one of those weird, you know, liminal spaces, as they say. <laughs> uh, but when we come back, um, it'll be my birthday, which is really rude because we're reading another fucking Orwell book. And I made the schedule, so I did this to myself like an idiot. We can change it if you want. I can do something else. It's fine. I think it's funnier to be mad about it. I'm an idiot. Uh, We're going to be reading 1984. 1984, something about a boot. Um, Something about everyone's oppressed. There's a big brother involved. As you guys know, we're literally living in 1984, (laughs) as you've been told a number of times. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see what sort of merit that has <laughs> we'll see i'm gonna read it on a plane and maybe i'll have to order some plane drinks we'll see <laughs> this is gonna be like a sad departure man you know what i've been i've been reading lord of the rings oh yeah like the hobbit and the original trilogy or whatever that's what i've mm, just yeah, started yeah. on and it's i don't know man it's gonna get Worse at some point, they're they're going to get like more into more dire situations. I know, because I mean, The Hobbit does a little bit of that adventure stuff. You know, it's like, oh, this sucked, but like they, it make it, all it really has instilled in me so far is a desire to have more feasts with my friends, <laughs> and to I'm down hike through the wilderness more. Uh, and I'm not as down for that. I'll feast, but I won't hike. <laughs> yeah, hell, yeah. And half the characters they meet are people who they feast with but don't hike with. So I'll hell meet yeah. you along the way. We'll have a good feast. I'll be in my hobbit hole. And we like hang out for like days. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go, you know. (laughs) That sounds 
fucking rad. That's gonna be a big departure <laughs> to 1984, where it's like, yeah, that's... oh, never mind, no rights, nope. no feasting. Sorry, that's illegal. No feasting allowed. I've been reading uh, a bunch of sci-fi novels, so yeah, I mean, I guess technically the same genre, but very different tone. Uh, I mentioned Dawn by Octavia Butler, and then I read The Sparrow, which was incredible, and I've been bugging you about it because I just like can't get it off my mind. That was really good. Um, who is that by? It's Mary something. Mary Doria Russell. And then I just started Childhood's End, even though I know what's going to happen. I'm still very excited. Oh, that is so good. The book is great. Yes. I'm pumped. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be it'll be quite the departure. I'm going to have to like force myself to download it and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll power through. Yeah, for sure. All right. See y'all then. All right. I won't see y'all because that's not how podcast works. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.